very much. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon and to be able to discuss with you some of the updates in pancreatic cancer uh, genetics. I would like to thank the uh, program organizers for creating this uh, session and also for the wonderful program that they have put together over the next four days. So what I hope to do over the next 20 minutes or so is to familiar, familiarize you with some of the genes that have been implicated in uh, pancreas cancer susceptibility. Um, as the question of who should be tested within the pancreas cancer cohort, what genes should we test for, and what the value of multi-gene testing is, and what do we do with positive genetic test results, and how does it actually impact our, our patients or their at-risk family members? So we have long accepted the fact that approximately 10% of all pancreas cancers are hereditary. And some of the hereditary component is due to pancreas cancer occurring in the setting of a known hereditary cancer predisposition syndrome, such as hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndrome or Lynch syndrome. And then there's the other cohort of patients that are categorized as having familial pancreatic cancer, which is defined as having um, two or more first-degree relatives with pancreatic cancer. The genetics of that group is generally very undefined, and we have not uh, made significant progress in delineating the genetic ideology of those patients. What's also interesting is that based on the Nordic monozygotic twin studies, it seems that up to 36% of pancreas cancers may be mediated by genetic uh, susceptibilities to shared exposures, whether those are low penetrance genes acting jointly It's still unknown, or perhaps autosomal recessive genes, but that's yet to be figured out. So starting with familial cancer, again, this is two or more uh, first-degree relatives with pancreatic cancer that do not fulfill criteria of any of the other known cancer tumor syndromes, which bear pancreas cancer as a component of that syndrome. And this is a classic, very uh, high-risk family, where you see in circles uh, the five different patients in the family that had pancreas cancer. The young man, the 34-year-old circled in blue, is the the man who presented to our clinical genetic service, I think about six years ago now. Um, And at that time, he still had a cousin who was alive living with pancreas cancer. And we did do BRCA1 and 2 testing, which ended up being uh, negative. And of course, his question was, well, what's my risk of developing pancreas cancer? Unfortunately, we didn't have anything too good to say to him. So when you look at the, the risk of pancreas cancer in individuals with one first-degree relative, it's about 6% lifetime risk. When you move up to two first-degree relatives with pancreas cancer, it moves up to 8 to 12% lifetime risk of pancreas cancer, as opposed to about 1.3% in the general population. And three or more first-degree relatives is a striking 40% lifetime risk of, of, um, of uh, pancreas cancer. What's even worse is that there is some emerging data that there's possible genetic anticipation wherein the next generation in a familial pancreas cancer kindred is actually developing pancreas cancer at an earlier age than the prior generation. Is that genetic anticipation really, or is it more of additional exposures that that patient or that fam- those family members may be exposed to? It's still, that's still unknown. So again, in these um, familial pancreatic cancer uh, kindreds, only a small minority actually have known genetic mutations. Um, Fergus Scotch from Mayo described that about 6 to 15% of these kindreds have, for example, BRCA2 mutations. 
Because of this, there has been a, a real drive to try to discover additional genes associated with familial pancreatic cancer. This is an enormous effort put together um, um, by Hopkins, but it's a multi-institutional uh, effort, effort where they actually did whole genome germline sequencing of nearly 600 families with familial pancreatic cancer uh, who were already tested for some genes um, um, it, clinically. And what you see is, unfortunately, not anything so striking. They saw some BRCA2 mutations that probably weren't picked up on clinical sequencing. PALB2, which we know is now associated with pancreas cancer. CDKN2A, which is, again, associated with familial atypical multiple mole uh, syndrome. And they did see an emergence of ATM mutations, with ATM accounting for about 3 or 2.8% of familial pancreatic cancer kindreds. But as you can see, some of the other candidate genes, were, genes weren't so striking, and none of the follow-up studies uh, panned out as uh, any of these being really high-risk pancreatic cancer susceptibility genes. So there's still a lot to be learned in this cohort of patients. Now, we do know that pancreas cancer can occur as a part of many different inherited cancer predisposition syndromes, many of which are listed here. Probably the most well-studied is uh, hereditary breast ovarian cancer, where the relative risk in BRCA2 uh, mutation carrier of PANC is about three-and-a-half to six-fold increased risk, and in BRCA2, about a two-fold increased risk of pancreas cancer. For Lynn syndrome, uh, data from nearly 10 years ago now um, suggests a cumulative lifetime risk of about 3.7%. In PELB2, the risk is still not clearly defined. Same with ATM-associated pancreas cancer. FAM, about 17% cumulative lifetime risk. And then the three on the bottom, Putz-Jaeger's familial adenomatous polyposis and hereditary pancreatitis, I'm not going to mention too much of today because they're very, very rare, although they are very important because, as you can see, in Putz-Jaeger's and in hereditary pancreatitis, the lifetime risk of pancreas cancer is very high, and this is the cohort that actually gets very early onset uh, pancreas uh, cancers. So with respect to BRCA1 and BRCA2, this has long been explored um, in pancreas uh, cancer. And the initial studies, starting around 2007 to about 2014, 2015, really focused on genetic testing in selected pancreas cancer patients. This included a study of familial pancreas cancer patients that I mentioned before by Fergus Couch, a study by our institution by Christina Ferroni and uh, Mark Robson, where 145 in individuals of Ashkenazi Jewish uh, descent, who we know have a higher prevalence of BRCA mutations, underwent, uh, who were resected, so it's again a selected cohort, um, had tissue analysis for the three Ashkenazi Jewish founder mutations, identifying a rate of about 5.5%. Um, our subsequent study looked at um, a cancer genetics uh, clinic-based population, and we looked at the prevalence of mutations across various genes, finding that about 7.1% of our patients had BRCA mutation, mutations in non-AJs versus 13.7% in patients of Ashkenazi Jewish um, uh, descent. If you, we took patients who were Ashkenazi Jewish but had no family hist other family history, 7.4% of them um, had a BRCA mutation. And subsequently, at one uh, uh, unselected study looked at about 306 uh, pancreatic cancer patients, again finding that 4.6% had BRCA mutation, and nearly 11% of Ashkenazi Jews had BRCA mutations. 
Based on these two studies um, highlighted in red, the 7.4 and the 10.8 percent, we're able to change the NCCN guidelines about two years ago now that all um, patients with pancreas cancer and Ashkenazi Jewish descent, regardless of any family history, should undergo at least BRCA1, BRCA2 uh, testing. So what about other genes? Well, PELB2-associated pancreas cancer um, was initially described um, in science in 2009. It's clearly associated with a lifetime risk of pancreas cancer that's higher than average, but that number is still um, not, hasn't been finally determined. It's estimated to be roughly about 6% close to the risk in BRCA2 mutation carriers. Of course, there's also an associated breast cancer risk in this population of up to 40% lifetime risk and potentially ovarian uh, cancer risk of recent data suggesting that there might be a link. Other pancreas um, cancers within other uh, syndromes is is Lynch syndrome, as I mentioned before. Again, about a 3.7 lifetime uh, risk of pancreas cancer in patients with Lynch syndrome. Probably a little bit higher risk if you have a family history of of pancreas cancer in a Lynch uh, kindred. And more recent data from the Europeans suggest that the pancreas cancer risk is actually higher in MLH1 as opposed to other mutation carriers. Um, it's thought to account for about 1% of all pancreatic cancer patients. And this is extremely important because of the um, availability now of immunotherapy, which really changed how we treat our Lynch-associated cancers that are advanced, and most pancreas cancer patients obviously have advanced disease, giving them the potential of actually benefiting um, from immunotherapy treatments. So how do our current guidelines um, fit the needs of our patient populations? And what are the current guidelines for men to do testing for our pancreatic cancer patients? So the NCCM pancreas guidelines are quite vague. They say that you should refer to genetic counseling patients who have pancreas cancer who are young, have a family history, or those of Ashkenazi Jewish descent. In the high-risk breast cancer, ovarian cancer section, BRCA genetic testing is actually recommended for patients with pancreas cancer at any age who have one or more close relative with either ovarian cancer or early-onset breast cancer, or who have two relatives with any of the HBOC-associated cancers. Or, as I mentioned before, pancreas cancer in any individual with Ashkenazi Jewish descent. The American College of Medical Genetics is also quite broad. They say that pancreas cancer patients who meet familial pancreatic cancer, um, Lynch syndrome, BRCA, or FAM criteria should undergo testing. Nothing else is really mentioned specifically. So as, our, as we explore the genetic etiology of pancreas cancer, one thing that becomes very important is that how we do genetic testing is really starting to change. While four or five years ago we were still doing single gene testing in clinics where patients would come in and would be generally tested for one or two genes at a time with a long pretest genetic counseling session. Um, and the, these test, this testing was really phenotype, clinical phenotype and tumor-based. So you had to meet certain criteria to do the testing. But with the advent of next-gen sequencing, we have been able to do multi-gene panel testing where you're essentially simultaneously analyzing a large set of genes. And some of these genes may or may not be associated with the specific cancer phenotype that you're looking at. So this is an approach that we have started to take at Memorial, and we have a an, an next-generation sequencing capture-based model called MSK Impact. Um, and what you see here are the 468 genes that are on our panel. 
What you see in blue, however, are the ADA genes that have germline implications. And we very carefully selected out these genes, and we're also looking at the germline of, um, of these uh, specific ADA genes. So we have a protocol in place for patients who come into our center with really any tumor who can go undergo somatic mutation profiling for the 468 genes. They'll have a somatic analysis, and the results are given to them by their oncologist. But for patients who are offered germline testing, they may also consent um, to, to having 88 of their genes analyzed in the germline. Obviously, not all of those genes are related to their specific cancer diagnosis. In order to facilitate this, we implemented a pretest educational video, and germline analysis is subsequently done with the results initially communicated by the on- oncologist and su- subsequently by the genetic service. So our initial um, uh, experience with this was published in JAMA this past year. We sequenced about 10,000 patients' uh, tumors, and of these, 1,000 patients um, consented to germline analysis. At that point, we were doing 76, not 86 um, predisposition genes. And we identified that about 17.5% of individuals had one or more clinically actionable uh, mutation, and um, we would not have identified 55% of these cases um, if we use clinical criteria alone. And what became striking is if you look at our specific breakdown of mutations, is that in pancreas cancer, the uptake, the, the pickup rate of a pathogenic mutation was about 25%. So through the efforts of May Lowry and Eileen O'Reilly, we significantly expanded this cohort of pancreatic cancer patients, and it, in fact, reported our results recently in JNCI. We sequenced 615 exocrine pancreatic cancer patients. They underwent both somatic analysis and germline analysis, and we identified that about 20% of them had pathogenic germline mutations in one of the 76 uh, genes that I showed you before. 8.1% of these were BRCA1 or BRCA2, but a higher frequency in BRCA2 than BRCA1, and about 18% of our Ashkenazi Jewish patients had uh, BRCA mutations. An additional 4.1% of patients harbored other pancreatic cancer-associated genes, including ATM, CDKN2A, the Lynch genes, and others like PELB2s, um, uh, STIC11, and P53. There were obviously also non-pancreas cancer-associated genes, um, which some of which are listed here. What was really interesting is that with coupled um, somatic and germline analysis, we are also able to look at uh, whether the actual germline mutation was truly involved with cancer development. So we looked for loss of heterozygosity and copy number uh, assessment in the tumors and identified that in about 60% of BRCA and BRCA2 and 60% of BRCA1, there was, in fact, loss of heterozygosity within the tumor. Same with ATM, about 62% of those patients with ATM germline mutations also had loss of heterozygosity in the tumor, suggesting that, in fact, those mutations were associated with the pancreas cancer development. Um, There were also some other genes, for example, CHECK2, where we also saw some loss of heterozygosity. CHECK2 is not a pancreas cancer susceptibility gene to our knowledge, but could it be that this these check to mutations actually contributed to the patient's cancer? That's food for thought and for more uh, exploratory studies. Interestingly and very importantly, 41% of these patients did not meet current genetic uh, uh, testing criteria for pancreas cancer. 
In 2018, in addition to our study, there were two large uh, other studies of unselected pancreas cancer patient uh, populations. The first one was published in JCO, where they found that 3.9% of patients with pancreas had uh, germline mutations based on a 32G panel. And other studies found that about 13.5% of patients had, um, again, uh, pancreas uh, mutations in, in genes using a 22-gene uh, panel that included the pancreas cancer uh, genes. While you know that there is a different um, rate of or prevalence of germline mutations in these studies, I think some of it can be explained by a little bit different populations. So, for example, in our population, we had 20% Ashkenazi Jewish descent, which obviously increases the rate of BRCA1 and BRCA2, and even other Jewish found their mutations. But what's important is that in two of the three studies, the majority of patients who had pathogenic germline mutations did not meet current clinical criteria for genetic testing. So what are the implications if we find one of these mutations? Why do we care? Where clearly there will be more uh, presentations on PARP inhibitors and other treatment of BRCA-associated pancreas cancers. But in general, we know that BRCA is, is predictive of response to, uh, to platinum agents. There are multiple studies suggesting this. And obviously, response to part, PARP inhibitor is an active area of, of uh, clinical investigation. But many clinical trials are open, and many of the efforts being led by Dr. O'Reilly at our institution. One of the most interesting studies this past year uh, was a a study by Susan Domchak from University of Pennsylvania comparing the outcome of BRCA and PELB2 positive versus mutation negative patients, suggesting that overall survival was improved if patients with pancreas cancer received platinum, but not if they did not receive platinum, suggesting that, in fact, this is BRCA is a predictive marker. predicting for an increased response to platinum. And there are other studies, like the Golan study before, suggesting the same thing. So should we potentially lower our threshold for germline genetic assessment in pancreatic adenocarcinoma? This was an editorial uh, that um, that we uh, uh, wrote based on some of the findings of the studies over the last year, that about 4 to 13% of unselected pancreatic cancer patients have pancreatic cancer-associated mutations listed here. And a f- large fraction of these, again, do not meet clinical testing criteria. I would argue that that this is almost more important data than what the somatic findings are in pancreas cancer, where the somatic findings haven't been able to drive the treatment as much as the germline findings in pancreas cancer. So obviously the treatment implications I've already uh, uh, reviewed, but what I haven't mentioned is the importance of identifying these mutations for at-risk family members. So I would argue that based on our current clinical criteria for testing, we're not meeting the needs of our pancreas cancer population. And in fact, universal genetic testing of pancreas cancer patients may actually be a reasonable approach in this population. A multi-gene panel is probably best. What gene you put on the panel needs to be um, deciphered, but certainly BRCA, PELB2, ATM, the Lynch genes, especially for uh, looking at um, MSI, high features potentially in the tumor for immunotherapy and CDKN2A. Obviously, implementation of this will be a challenge, but it can be modeled after ovarian and colon cancer. So universal genetic or tumor testing in the setting of colon cancer is already being offered at many places. 
places. And we're currently using this um, and trying to roll out sort of what, what we call a mainstreaming protocol of really providing genetic testing for all of our pancreas cancer patients at our institution. So back to our case, um, eventually the patient's um, cousin ended up uh, undergoing a large panel and was in fact identified to have an ATM uh, pathogenic mutation. Uh, our patient, um, uh, circled in blue, again, uh, was tested for ATM and was in fact uh, positive. Um, so now he knows he has the, uh, the cancer risk and what will he do with that? So obviously our efforts in pancreas cancer screening haven't been as fruitful as we had hoped. Uh, the CAPS-3 study um, compared three different technologies MRI, CT, and endoscopic ultrasound in very high-risk individuals across uh, five different um, academic tertiary uh, centers, noting that probably CT scan was not sensitive enough. There is a difference between MRI and EUS, and these are the two modalities that we use at our institution. The pros of MRI, it's quite accurate. It's probably a little bit better at uh, small cystic lesions than endoscopic uh, ultrasound, which is probably better at small solid lesions. Obviously, with endoscopic ultrasound, you have the ability to do FNA if you need to right away. But, a, but there are a number of cons, including overdiagnosis. Um, but EUS, it's obviously an invasive uh, uh, procedure and is operator dependent. At our institution, we have a pancreatic cancer registry for our high-risk patients. Those are our patients with a known pancreas cancer genetic mutation or who meet familial pancreatic cancer uh, criteria. And for those, we do offer um, MRIs of the pancreas with subsequent endoscopic ultrasound if, um, if needed for workup of any lesion. So there is one promising study that came out um, from the Netherlands, from Boston's uh, group, um, suggesting that at least in CDKN2 uh, carriers, um, pancreatic cancer, uh, can cancer was diagnosed in 7.3%, with a resection rate of 75%, uh, which is uh, quite remarkable. Uh, as you know, the resection rate in pancreas cancer is generally much lower, and a five-year survival of 24%. While obviously this did not have a control arm to truly prove efficacy, it is at least encouraging that in some of our mutation carriers, such as the CDKN2A population, this may be a feasible um, um, screening modality in our studies uh, and memorial, we have not uh, been fortunate to, to demonstrate efficacy in our BRCA carriers, who are our largest group of patients in our pancreas uh, registry. So to summarize, only a fraction of familial pancreatic cancers um, have an identifiable genetic mutation despite whole genome sequencing. Studies have re repeatedly now demonstrated that a substantial proportion of germline mutations are actually missed because the patients do not meet clinical uh, criteria for testing. And multi-gene testing for a panel of pan genes in all individuals with pancreas cancer appears to be actually quite a reasonable approach, and it has implications for treatment and for at-risk family members. Obviously, we have to overcome the, the challenges of how to implement this, but I think we're able to do that. And then with pancreas cancer screening, I think we are still um, trying to come up with better technologies. Certainly cell-free DNA is an interesting um, idea, and there are many investigators working on such research uh, endeavors. And last but not least, I would like to thank all my colleagues at Sloan who work within pancreas cancer and within the Clinical Genetic Service for all their input. Thank you.